Welcome to Investing for Us, where we help you understand investing in personal finance without using lingo only Wall Street understands. I'm Doug Page. Rich Masterson and I review the latest doings in the stock market and explain in simple language what you need to know, and hopefully that puts more money into your pocket. We're brought to you by Alka-Seltzer and Dramamine today, or we should be. But if you enjoy seasickness or indigestion, this is the stock market for you. Up and down, up and down, up and down. It's crazy, Rich. And it's influenced by the latest coronavirus variant, Omicron, which right now not a single pharmaceutical company has a means to combat directly. As of today, the first day of December, there are about 200 people worldwide diagnosed with the Omicron variant. And yet the uncertainty of this variant in terms of how fast it spreads, how lethal it is, and whether it will force governments to impose lockdowns or other kinds of restrictions is causing major indexes in the stock market to go haywire. Rich, should I sell my entire portfolio and stuff the cash in my mattress? <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to throw you off for a little bit there. <laughs> you know, Doug, what's absolutely insane about all this you know, you said no one knows, you know, we don't have any data. The pharmaceutical companies are scrambling. Yeah. Yet the woman that discovered this in South Africa, I saw her being interviewed on the news. And she says, well, so far it's very mild. <laughs> but, but the rest of the world is going absolutely bonkers. And, exactly. You know, I mean, I know we still need to learn what's going on. But look how quick people jump to assumptions. And, you know, it scares the living hell out of the stock market, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it improves that adage, which is, you know, the, the stock market and money, you know, how does money think? Money money likes and prefers and demands certainty. Absolutely. You know, it is it is really kind of interesting in, in that in that regard and that kind of thing. Well, uh, so should I should I sell everything I've got or just hold or just hang tight for the time being, bud? No. <laughs> you know, Doug you, you look at sh any one of your stocks or your entire portfolio, or, or even just look at this, the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P, right. and you look at a chart, and you'll see, go back as far as the 20s, and you'll see that steady climb from the bottom of the chart to the right all the way up to where it is today. Now, along the way, we've had, I mean, we you and I in our lifetimes could name a half a dozen pullbacks. Sure. But the bottom line, it just keeps going and going and going. Right. Now, unless you're day trading or doing some really crazy combinations of options, yeah, you're probably desperately trying to get rid of stuff. But, you know, if you're sticking to what we've talked about before, fundamentals, a good company, well-managed, growing revenue, keeping their profit margins going, you know, You'll weather these problems, and if you sell it, you're just you're going to just destroy your goal, and have to start all over again at a much higher price. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, there's a story today in the London Financial Times reporting that the League Economist of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, an organization composed of 38 countries, including the United States, that the Omicron variant will only cause more inflation and intensify supply shortages. And at Investing for Us, we looked into inflation by doing some original reporting. This is what the United States Department of Agriculture says is happening with meat prices 
results in its most recent survey of grocery stores. Last year, for example, chicken wings cost $2.90 a pound. This year, the price is $3.57 a pound, a 23% increase. In fact, the price of chicken wings, which is popular fare at bars and restaurants, is higher than a regular pack of boneless, skinless chicken breasts, which costs $2.10 a pound. Now, to be fair, the prices for boneless and skinless chicken breasts are down from last year when they cost $2.95 a pound. If you enjoy marinated chicken breasts, you're paying about $4.43 a pound. That's up from $3.07 last year, which is about a 44% increase. Ground beef, says the Agriculture Department, costs about $3.25 a pound compared to $2.30 last year. Sirline steak has seen the biggest increase, with prices more than doubling in a year's time. Last year, the per pound price for a sirloin steak bought at the grocery store was $4.99. This year, it's nearly $11 a pound. Finally, sliced bacon this year costs $6.56 a pound. That's up a dollar from last year. The Agriculture Department doesn't say what causes these spikes or declines in prices. But Rich, that said, what's inflation doing to our audience? Well, I can tell you what it's doing for you, Doug. You keep up this great reporting in that radio voice, and they'll be CNN will be calling you to replace Chris Cuomo. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you know, it, actually, Doug, not only our audience, it affects everyone. Sure. Uh, the wealthy, the poor, you know, every political party, every race. I mean, it, it affects everyone. You know, we pull up to a gas pump. We put gas in our car. We go to the store and we buy our groceries. We all see and feel what's happening to prices. Inflation is here. Exactly. Inflation is here. Inflation is here. And and what what should we call inflation? Is is it is it a tax on 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 the rich and the poor and everyone? Or what? what how do we how do we describe this thing? Well, I, you know, some people call it a tax on the poor. I yeah. mean, the rich, they have so much money that, you know, if the price of gas goes up $2 a gallon, that's not going to bother them. Yeah. But to, to you know, people that are, you know, have a limited income or, or, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, I mean, that's a major struggle for them. Sure. And so um, it generally falls on those that can least afford it. And that's what's sad about all this. You know, and then, you know, the... One of the things I keep asking for in our podcast, Doug, about inflation the last couple of weeks that we've been talking about it, you know, there has been no plan. And the Fed keeps saying, well, it's transitory, you know. Well, right. yesterday you heard him say, you know, that word is over and it's not transitory anymore. And we should, and we should, and we should make clear that when you're saying, when you're saying him, we're talking about the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. And um, that's why you're the journalist, Doug. I love you. So, um, yeah. And so what that means is, is that, you know, it's going to be here for a while. And now I've heard several economists, you know, um, and also I've heard Powell even say today that it probably won't show signs of letting up until the fourth quarter of next year. So that's like the whole next year we're going to be battered by this inflation problem. We're talking about basically 12 months from now. I mean, 12 to 13 months from now, you're basically saying if it's not going to end until the fourth quarter, we're looking at sometime in the first quarter of 2023, based on what Powell said, that inflation might be over. But of course, inflation being over, what does that mean? Is there going to be a parade down Fifth Avenue in New York? 
no, we'll get some relief in pricing um, or or income will, you know, household income will grow enough to offset inflation. Um, that doesn't happen that quickly, but, um, you know, it's a combination of increased income and reducing prices. And, you know, there's so many things to fix in our economy right now. Um, and we could we could be on this podcast for hours, but the government has got to take the role in stop printing money and stop making so much cash available for people that they're increasing the demand. But because there's no supply, it is only going to raise prices. Right. That's the principle of supply and demand. And, and so, you, you bring up an interesting point about printing money. The, the more money you print or the more money that the government prints, what does that do to the, to the money that's already out there? Well, what it does is it makes borrowing so much easier okay. for individuals, for, for mortgages, and for businesses to borrow money to grow their businesses. And so it's a, it's a cycle that just keeps generating more and more opportunity to grow. The, uh, the difference is, is that once interest, like the government right now is just buying all kinds of instruments, both corporate and, and uh, government bonds in order to support the government. Now gotcha. he's talking about tapering. Well, what does tapering mean? Well, he's going to cut back. Doug, every year we probably print about 10% more money. This year, we printed so far 38% more than any other year. And if you, if you, if you have more money in more money supply, that is many more dollar bills, $5 bills, $20 bills, whatever denomination you want to talk about. Does that reduce the value of the dollars that are already there? Absolutely. Doug, you know, when, when you manufacture something in Taiwan right. and they make it and they realize that if you pay them in U.S. dollars, which the world generally accepts U.S. dollars, right. but they know now that the dollar's not worth as much. Right. So they're going to raise their prices to us. Gotcha. Because the dollar doesn't buy as much. So that price starts the downhill slide of raising the next the next guy the ne- the middleman he's raising the prices and the shipping people are raising the prices the people the retailers are raising the prices all this contributes to the increase in costs right so you're you're a microchip maker in Taiwan for example and you realize that the value of the dollars that you're getting today is not worth – they're not worth as much as you were receiving, let's say, last year, two years ago, for example. You're going to raise your price, which means that the American or the product that is then sold in the United States using that particular uh, microchip is going to cost you more perhaps, right? Absolutely. And this really doesn't stop at all. So it just keeps going and going and going and going, and it doesn't seem to be – I mean – at least right so, now, it's hard to say that there's any end in sight. Well, with his tapering, he will slow down the printing of money and the purchasing of instruments to back up that money. And so it will begin to raise the value of the American dollar again. Ah, so that's so, 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 okay. That's good. And then okay. ultimately, Taiwan will get the value that they want for their products. Right. And there will 
be less price increases or right. even now discounting because you know the whole world trades based on the US dollar in most countries and as that goes up and down it affects trade and it affects companies in America that are doing business in foreign countries too sure that exchange rate all affects the bottom line right 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 and that can come back to hit the average consumer uh hit or hit the employee uh, of that particular company too as well one way or another it's hard to say how but it it does uh it sounds so, like from what you're saying so Doug, getting back to your original comment, what does it mean for us and our yeah. investors when the stock market goes through these things? Generally, the last major inflation bang that we had where it was really a year long was, I think, 2013. Gotcha. And one of the interesting things about that is, is the stock market continued to grow despite the amount of inflation and the higher cost for the public. So that happens. But at the same time, interest rates rise. And then there's no more, you know, creating new jobs. There's no new construction because everybody's holding back because they, they're not access to money through loans is not as plentiful as it is when the interest rates are lower. So it could affect your mortgage individually. And to a small business, it could affect, you know, the money that they borrow uh, to build or operate their business. But as for investing, you know, generally, you and I and probably most people that are listening to us, Doug, are in this for the long haul. And you've invested in order to grow. And, you know, they say you don't lose or make money until you sell a stock. Right, right. So right. if you have a paper loss yesterday or even today, because the market seems to be giving back everything it had earlier in the day, you know, that's a paper loss. You really have not lost anything. Right. Until right. you sell it. So if you're jumping in and out of your portfolio, you'll never really show any growth. And let's face it, compounding is what makes us money in the stock market. Which which really takes us to the last part of the show, which is sort of the lesson of the week here. And and what you're suggesting is really that one of the things that we need to do is when we see these particular times, uh, very volatile, you know, everybody is on edge. There is uh, there's great uncertainty about, you know, health uh, in this particular case, which then you know, gets uh, pushed off to a great uncertainty in the stock market, in the financial markets. Uh, it seems to be what, what you're suggesting then is hang tight. Absolutely, Doug. Absolutely. I mean, unless you're using your portfolio income to pay the grocery bill, you know, right. or put shoes on the kids, you know, but most people invest for their future, either for their children's education, for their retirement, saving to buy that house. You know, and so it's not like you need the money right away. So right. once we come out of it and it'll start moving forward again and we'll be right back to where we were and then it will start increasing more. Sure, sure. And then what is it about? I know you and I have talked about this in the past, uh, but the psychology of, of, of the market, the psychology of investors or the psychology of the stock market, what? What's there that, that our, our audience should, should know about? Well, you know, experienced investors 
And the boys and girls on Wall Street that are making tons of money, the first thing they'll tell you is take your feelings out of it, you know, and do not include emotion in your decisions. And that is so true. You know, we talked about having rules to abide by. You know, if you own a a stock and it drops 8%, there's, you know, like Investor's Business Daily suggests 8% is the limit. Dump it. But there's also also limits on profit. You know, if you have a stock that's up 60 70%, you know, why not take some of that profit? Well, how do you do that? Well, if you buy 20 shares of a stock and it's up 70%, sell half of it and take that money, wait for the next pullback and buy another stock that you feel will advance the same way this one does. And now you're playing with the house's money. And that's the smart way to grow your portfolio in addition to watching the value of your current portfolio grow year after year, not month after month. Not day after day, week after week, but year after year. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, you talk about thinking for the long term. I mean, it's I had a conversation today with a, a financial advisor, not my financial advisor, but a guy who's a financial advisor. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's talked about that, you know, it used to be long term was considered in years. Today, it might be considered in weeks, he says. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess what you're saying is don't even go there. I mean, if you can't think beyond two weeks or a month, maybe this isn't for you. Yeah. I mean, Doug, the first the first lesson in investing is before you put a dime in the market, do you have an emergency fund? Right. Do you have a month or two or maybe three months worth of money? sitting in a local savings or checking account that you can rely on for when you have problems. And everything you put into the stock market or in mutual funds or in your retirement accounts, your IRA, your 401k, that is for the long haul. And you have to keep that in mind, even as you watch your portfolio lose its value. You know, I had a contractor working here today and you know, one of the things he told me he was, he says, wow, he says, a few years ago, I lost half of my IRA. And he says, and now it came back and it's up again. And I said, that's the way it'll be for the next 20 years. And it's a good thing you didn't sell, did it? And he did you? And he said, you're right. He said, I'm really happy I didn't, you know, let that scary moment make me make a wrong decision. And what's your suggestion? I mean, people these days have an easier time being exposed to the news. Everybody's walking around with some sort of, you know, mobile phone uh, or some sort of mobile, you know, electronic device, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's, you know, as opposed to way back in the olden days, of, let's say the 1970s or in the 1980s, when, you know, uh, you had to actually turn on a television or flip on a radio to get a, get a quick update on the news. These days, people are turning to their screens, uh, whatever that screen might be, and they are seeing, you know, the news. They're certainly seeing things going on in the stock market. What's the way, the best way just to combat this idea that, you know, the, the market is dropping, let's say, 500 points, 600 points, maybe even more than that? What's the best way, Rich, that you think to handle a day like that? You know, you, you're at your job, you're at your work. 
doing whatever it is you're doing, you're going about your business, and yet you're seeing this, you know, the stock market plummet. What's the best? What's the best suggestion that you've got for how people should handle these moments in time? Well, on these down moments, Doug, I, I don't even like to open up my portfolios, you know, and let it get to me. And I'll just wait till things start rolling back again. My gotcha. advice is turn off CNBC and turn on the cartoons. <laughs> and maybe pour yourself a triple whatever, right? There you go. <laughs> but I think your point is correct. I mean, and I've done this too as well in the past myself when I've seen these things happen in the stock market when you know the market has an odd day where it goes down 500 points and then it, the following day it goes down another 500 points I mean I think you're right you, you just have to sort of sit there and say forget it I don't know I don't want to know what's going on I'm going to ignore it I've got other things to do right exactly and you know it goes back to our principle Doug you do your research you do your homework you find good strong well-run companies and it'll weather those ups and downs very easily. And, and I think this is something else that we need to point out uh, too, as well, which is there. There's a difference between when the market is affected by an outside influence, like like a you know a new variant in, in the coronavirus, versus a company which is having severe problems. So when these moments happen, like they did on Friday, like they did yesterday, for example, when when the market you know dropped considerably. That does not mean that the companies that are in your portfolio are poorly managed or that their revenues are suffering. It simply means they're being impacted by what's going on in the broader market. Exactly. And if it's your company's having a problem, a revenue problem, or there is some sort of other issue, then that's when you want to sell the stock probably. But otherwise, really... Uh, hang tight, you're, you're going to be okay. Am I correct on that one? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the legendary investor Warren Buffett, you know, he holds on to his positions for years. Right. And then um, look how handsomely it's paid off for him. Right. Exactly. He's done well. He's done well. Well, is there anything you'd like to add for our audience? No. Like I said, let's put the cartoons on and uh, another day or two. Um, <laughs> You know, I guess one last thing, Doug, is, is you know, I hope some of you have had, left some cash in your portfolio because when the markets are down like this, boy, there's bargains out there. You know, when you look at your portfolio and you see, you know, each position will have a cost per share, you know, if the price is below that, then obviously, and you buy more, it lowers your cost per share and increases your overall profit. So, you know, these are buying opportunities. And if you can't stay away from it for a few days, then get out your checkbook and buy more. The prices are awesome. There you go. There you go. Well, for Rich Masterson, I'm Doug Page saying thank you for listening to this week's episode of Investing for Us. We'd love to hear from you, and we're happy to report our email issues are corrected. If you have questions or comments about the show, please email us at comments at investingforus.com. That's comments at investingforus.com. Investing for Us is an audio production of Masters and Page, LLC, Galena, Illinois.